1: Welcome to Quality of Life Radio, hosted by Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazines.com.
2: Hey, everybody! Welcome to Big Blend Radio's Quality of Life Show. Today, we're very excited to chat with Kelly Skoloda. She is the author of A Way Back to Health. 12 lessons from a cancer survivor it is out now and you can go to her website away back to health dot com. And that's Kelly with an EY because you never know. And hopefully I even (laughs) pronounced your last name right, Kelly. Welcome. You did. Thank you, Lisa. Well done. (laughs) Oh, good. You know, because I always, you know, I give everybody their own name sometimes, too, you know, so Mm -hmm. it happens. But (laughs) good to have you on the show. And I know before we hit the record button, I was just saying, you know, it's so important what you've done, uh, writing your story Mm -hmm. and also others, because going through something like cancer, especially colon cancer, nobody wants to talk about that. Um, I think when someone's going through it, they resonate more with someone who has been through it and other stories and everyone's story is different. Like you're saying,
3: mm-hmm. right, right. It's true. I think what I found out is that, uh, personal stories really seem to be strong motivators to help people do things like get screened, um, or encourage someone else to go get a screening or treatment. So you know, I've seen that dynamic in action firsthand. Mm. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, like I was saying, colon cancer, people don't want to get screened right. for it. And I think it's, they're working hard on even having like self tests. you know, tests you can do at home, I think. Uh, right. for and people the, to do it.
3: And the screening guidelines have recently changed from age 50 to age 45. So um, because they have seen so many younger people uh, getting colon cancer. In fact, when I was diagnosed, I said to my doctor, "What you know, I, what's going on here? I don't have any of the normal, um, you know, triggers or factors that would come into play, um, you know, uh, diet and previous health problems and things." And the doctor said, it's really just, um, you know, it's age related now people um, are getting colon cancer younger and younger. So even if you don't have other physical problems or health problems that might have traditionally been associated with colon cancer, just being over 45 now is a factor.
2: Oh, man. Yeah, we we lost a friend to it um, Mm -hmm. a a few years back. And Mm -hmm. she was, she didn't drink, smoke, healthy. I mean, she was probably, you know. She looked at us because we love our wine and she's like, girls, <laughs> you know, she uh-huh. she was out in nature all the time, hiking, yeah. you know, rock hounding mm-hmm. and, you know, and we're like, how did that happen to it her just of all no people, sense. you right. know, and, and um, it still makes no sense, but oh. she went through a lot and, you know, mm-hmm. I, it, I wonder, is that the kind of the first thing you go is why, why me? Cause it doesn't feel like it could help happen to, you know. as as individuals, it's like, it's someone
3: else. Why me? Right. Um, I don't know if I asked why out of the gate. I mean, when you hear, I I kind of, I went in for my first routine colonoscopy screening, and I remembered kind of coming out of the haze of the anesthesia and hearing a tone of voice with the doctors and people talking around me that made me think something was wrong. I didn't even know yet. Mm -hmm. And then when I came out of it, Um, And the doctor started talking about going to see an oncologist and, um, you know, having surgery. And I still was in this haze. Um, Mm -hmm. So it really makes your head spin. So even Mm -hmm. before I got to why, it was kind of just this um, head spinning maze of things that you had to start to navigate almost immediately before you were even prepared for it. Um, that just you know kind of puts you right into the healthcare system system at a point that you've never been before. So it really does make your head spin, and and that's what I realized first. Um, I don't know if I got to the point of why me because you know you read the statistics after you're diagnosed, and it is so pervasive. You have no idea unless you or someone close to you have experienced it. So it is just um, colon cancer is a very pervasive type of cancer. Um, One of the top in the world is affecting more and more people, younger and younger. So um, that's, that's what really struck me when I was diagnosed.
2: Wow. And then also, Hmm. you know, you you hear about it and you like all of a sudden now we're in the medical system, like you said, okay, now here it goes, navigate the world of medicine. I mean, we, Nancy and I, we've had, uh, we've been caregivers to elder uh, family Mm -hmm. and even with each other going in we got to this point of record mm. what your doctors are saying or, you know, even for yes. the patient, the caregiver, mm. write it down. It, it, it becomes, that becomes a full-time mm. job and reading your story. Sure. You are launching a business at the same time. Then you've got your own personal, mm. you know, Oh, you know, your own personal what's going on with, with this. And then the medical system, because that to me is probably one of the hardest
3: parts of going through anything medical <laughs> it sucks it, it, it really is Lisa um, and I think your suggestion to record everything is a really smart one um, in the book I actually dig in in a couple of chapters about uh, both doing your homework and then keeping your records um, mm. and, and keeping logs with your questions. I know there are a lot of electronic records and there are patient portals. I have found that when you're dealing with health multiple health systems, those things might not necessarily uh, talk to each other. So to your point, it's always helpful for you to keep your own records. It's one of the things I really advocate for. Every time I went in, I had my um, folder with all of my hard copy records, my my screenings, you know, everything Mm -hmm. in one place. And sometimes I was the keeper of um, records more than even the health system because um, different health systems may not talk to one another the way you want. So recording, keeping all of your questions in one place. um, And even when you go in for appointments, you know, you think that you know what you want to ask and you understand, but you get in there and it's really unnerving. Mm -hmm. Um, So I always had someone else with me to be an extra set of eyes and ears, my mom, Mm -hmm. my husband Um, And I also wrote down everything in advance. And so when I went to the appointment, I checked off the questions as I got answers to them. And um, and then I also wrote down additional questions if the doctor or nurse was talking and I, you know, I didn't want to interrupt them. But at the end, I had answers to everything I needed. And if I didn't, I called back. I dug in a little bit more. Um, So your your suggestion is really uh, well taken.
1: Yeah, having somebody go with you is really in my book, that's premium because the you know, in a way, the healthcare system can at times be like going to a restaurant where it's get them in and get them out as fast as possible. Right. Not saying all of it's like that, but enough of it's like that to take someone else with you. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that's surprised as what how different you hear things.
3: It's true. I think that's a great tip, and as I said, I always try to take someone with me to uh, yeah. my most important appointments mm. because um, it is difficult to navigate. They're introducing a lot of different terminology, things you probably have never heard before, and you just aren't yourself. You know, I mean, yeah. even if you're um, mm. kind of normally in control, um, you know, educated, um, all of that gets thrown out the window when you're in a situation that's that's life threatening.
1: Well, yeah. and this, you have to undress usually. That's Which exactly what I was there. Go. You're undressed. Yeah, <laughs> as soon as they, you have to undress, you were already so, at, so vulnerable that your mind doesn't work exactly the same.
3: You know, that's a really interesting um, connection that I actually hadn't thought of before, but you're mm-hmm. right. You're already vulnerable and that makes you so much more vulnerable, just your physical, mm-hmm. you know, state yeah. of undress. You're right.
2: Mm. what you know when you talk about taking you know your husband your mom with you what about you know connecting online i know you this all started with your article on uh, medium.com and i would i want to go right on there now <laughs> like this is interesting yeah. how you got so much feedback uh you know and, and those mediums all connected with twitter and then you've got linkedin and facebook groups did you join like a bunch of facebook groups too to, to kind of feel or this was you just really letting people know this is what I'm going through. And next thing you know, everyone's connecting with you.
3: Right. And and it was really Lisa, a series of things that happened. Um, when it th- first happened to me, I, I, I'm a private person by nature. So I really kind of kept everything to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once I started to get through it and I knew I had to have surgery, I um, and I was running a business at the same time you mentioned I had started my own business uh, just yeah. about six months before. I felt like I really ne- needed to let people know that I was going through something that you know may change my behavior, my um, availability. So I did um, write an article and, and published it on Medium. Um, and I was really taken aback by the response that I got. Um, both people who knew me and strangers who would reach out and say, I'm so glad you told this story. It made me go get my screening, or I'm so glad you told this story. I've been after my mom, my sister, my dad to do this for so long. Your story was really the impetus for what helped me Mm -hmm. take action. And so I kind of just tucked that in the back, you know, of my head somewhere and I had written a a previous book. And so I guess I am always in my mind writing a book about something, right? Um, And so I just started to kind of jot notes. And then after I went through this whole process and I was so surprised with everything that I went through and learned. And then when I got people's reactions, I thought, you know, maybe there's something here, either a series of stories or maybe a book, I don't know. Um, And as I started to talk to other survivors and hear what they've gone through and how much they've learned, um, I really was convinced that there was a book in the making. And so put all of that collective wisdom together, mine. And then when my editor first looked at the book, she said, this is great. And what would make it even better is to hear other people's mm-hmm. stories. So that's when I started to reach out on Facebook and LinkedIn and other social networks and um, was able to get a collection of other survivor stories mm-hmm. to really add a lot of texture and depth to mm-hmm. you know how I thought about it. So it really has a very strong, I think, community approach in the book. Where it's um, kind of my story as the, you know, underpinning for the learnings, but bringing in other survivor stories to really give a lot of different approaches.
2: I think that's important right now, especially mm-hmm. community. You know, here we have gone going through COVID, and I have a friend um, who just she said it was the year I didn't. It wasn't the year I survived COVID. It was the year I kicked cancer's ass. She just went through mm-hmm. uh, breast cancer and she she mm-hmm. got through it and. Uh, she was talking about like, I kick cancer in the ass, and I'm ready to roll. But she also got this community. And you weren't able to really, you know, during COVID, be able to be with people, especially going through cancer in a pandemic, being able to, you know, you know, have someone really help her with her hair and all kinds of things. And Facebook, and her friends became such a huge part of it. And I think when you're talking about a book, having a community feel that's something someone may really need right now, like even, you know, when you're going through something like cancer, even now you have to be really careful, you know, no matter what you're going through, it could be all any kind of uh, medical
3: issue. You're right. And back to your, you know, your starting premise, Mm -hmm. when you connect with people and their stories, it really is tremendously helpful. It's not just reading the statistics it's not just looking at the medical information but really understanding um, you know what other what someone else has done um, to your point about breast cancer I had a, a good friend, a client of mine, actually a woman who, went through breast cancer and founded an organization as a result of it called Cancer Be Glam, Lisa Lurie. Yes, yes, she actually forward. wrote the whole to yeah. the book. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I was working with her before I was diagnosed, which I think is, you know, um, a, a, a miracle. And um, after I started going through things, she said, you know, um, uh, you may want to, you may want to keep working, but make sure you leave enough flexibility in your day so that if you can't do it, you're too tired. You can't take something on. You don't want to you know paint yourself into a corner. Um, and, and so just listening to a story and experience from someone like that, who went through it really stuck with me and was really helpful and more helpful. And, um, than you know, just reading something kind of, um, and that you don't that you don't associate with, or you don't that doesn't resonate with mm-hmm. you. Um, those kinds of stories kind of stick in the back of it's your human. mind, and you're able to reflect on them. It's yes. a
2: human touch.
1: Yeah, um, and I, I think stories that you relate to help you actually go and talk to other people. Because sometimes you're just not really ready to talk to people.
3: No, it's true. There are, I mean, there are moments you go in and out of moments where you want to talk, and mm-hmm. times when you don't want to talk. Um, some of the stories that were shared with me. Um, for the book, I thought were really interesting and touching and brought up things that I had never thought about before me. For instance, Mm -hmm. I have another friend, Andrea, who went through breast cancer years ago. And as I was writing the book, I had never even thought about um, the financial implications of having cancer, even though I was getting dozens of bills come into the house. And I mean, it would blow your mind how much these um, bills are even with with insurance, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I hadn't even thought about introducing that in the book until talking to my friend Andrea and she said, you know, she really worked with a financial counselor at the hospital and that counselor told Mm her, um, take the bills in and then just put them aside until you're ready to deal with them. They will wait, like, don't let that worry you. And I thought that's so important. I didn't know that when I was going through it, Mm -hmm. um, but to add that kind of um, dimension to how you deal with it um, and that reality, I thought was really helpful in a story and something I've never read or seen elsewhere.
2: No, that's it, huge. It,
1: it is huge because medical bills um, are absolutely way out there. It makes They're way out of lines. They're out of line. It, out of line. It, is, it is just, yeah, we lived in England where for a couple of years where their healthcare system, you just walk in, right. you don't really pay anything yep. ever it's the greatest system ever but that was way back then um, i think you still do a little bit i don't now, know what but... they do now but you know it was and then you come here and i mean honest to gosh the copay is even crazy mm-hmm, so right. it, you know when you get the first site when these sort of, um
2: you Broke your arm yeah I don't have surgery and had a <laughs> rod put on my arm it. my blood test I think was like yeah. one part was $14,000 for this yeah. it, was, it, was it was like $22,000 for this. I know like, just my blood what did work. you like, do buy just, a mansion <laughs> what, right you know I was, was I was really young and I was like uh-huh. we just got back to this country and I wasn't ready for this, you know, I was like 22 or something. And next thing you know, there, but there was actually help. And we were starting our business at this point. Yeah, and we were, we're like, like oh Okay, well, that's gosh. really great. Good job, Lisa. But the stress, I think when you're when you're not well, and you're trying to heal and going through all of that in the medical system itself, and then the financial thing, mm-hmm. the stress of that does not help your body.
3: Oh, no. It or your attitude.
2: Yeah, it, re- it
3: really does weigh on you. And when you're like the two of you or like me, you know, you're running your own business, you know, that complicates things on top of it. I think um, in thinking through running my own business, um, one of the things that really helped me was um, getting up every day and getting dressed and putting on some makeup and combing my hair and just making myself look like I, um, you know, was okay. wanted to look was helpful. And I, it was in the book, I call it fake it till you make yeah. it, but mm-hmm. what yeah. helped me was, was doing that. And then I would get up and work. And when I looked good, I felt a little bit better. So that's another one of the things I advocate for. I know there are other people that I talked to who said they prefer just to stay in their pajamas all day and rest. And that, you know, that's fine too. Everyone's different. Mm-hmm. For me, it really did help to try and look as as good as I could considering Mm -hmm. the circumstances and that helped me feel better too. Yeah, And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I continued to go to, um, client meetings and, you know, as work and work as much as I could, I found it rewarding and distracting, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, both helped me.
2: It's a sense of control too. It's Mm -hmm. positive and it, and it puts Mm -hmm. you into a survivor place, and yeah. that's what I love about your book, too, is you're talking about survivor stories. So there's that mm-hmm. real hope element that it is possible to get through this. And yeah. this is how people did get through this, you know, right. so you're I think so that- right.
3: control, I think, is a really key mm-hmm. word, because as soon as you're diagnosed, things seem to spin out of control. But the mm-hmm. more that you can do to put yourself in control, you know, doing your homework, getting yourself dressed, speaking up, um, trusting your instincts, the things that you can control that you do, it does kind of give you a sense of power over your illness, even though, you know, that may not in reality be the case, but it helped me, it helped me regain control. And that helped me feel better.
2: Mm. And Mm. so also going and continuing with work, that to me is like, you're, you've got function. You're telling your body, I've got function. I've got things to do. I think there's this Mm -hmm. communication. Did you have a lot of internal dialogue with your brain and your body? Like, come on, let's get through this. We can do this. Like more community. You know, we all have self-talk, but then it becomes like your body becomes a team in a way. I don't know. I've just, even the medical things I've been through in life. Suddenly my body's like, okay, dudes, (laughs) we're working on this together. We're going to get there, you know, suddenly. and, And then I go, then things get better. And you go, why don't we have that? I don't know, there's a better, I don't know, there's a better communication, when things go wrong with your body, that you Mm -hmm. wonder, why do we not do that all
3: the time? Right, right. I do think I'm a big person like you, I think action begets action, right. Mm -hmm. And um, at the end of every chapter, in fact, I include action steps, because I think every step along the way, when I took action, Mm -hmm. something good happened out of it whether that was speaking up for myself or getting dressed every day or just walking around the yard and trying to look for something that was, you know, a miracle in mother nature, a butterfly or a flower, just Mm -hmm. those small actions can have really profound impact.
2: Mm, I like that. The garden, well, nature, nature is very healing, you know, and and looking for the beauty of things. That's another thing that keeps you going. You know, it's like, it's down out there.
0: right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you try Peloton bikes, tread or row risk-free with a 30 day home trial. New members only not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepelotoncom home dash trial. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike.
3: I think that's a great, great point. Um, yeah. And if you, you know, if you just take one small step, I mean, uh, just a an example, I, I like to golf and my family golfs. And when I had my surgery and I was going through treatment, I just, um, you know, I just physically couldn't do it. Um, so I would ride in the golf cart and I would just putt. Um, and then a few weeks later oh, cool. I would put and I would chip. I still couldn't swing a club with enough energy to, you know, to use a driver. Um, but I just built my way up until hmm. I could Great. you know, get back into golfing. Yeah. When I came home from, um, surgery, um, I was on a fast, uh, protocol. And I said to my doctor, uh, my daughter's dance recital is this Saturday night. I want to be there. And he said, okay, well, that's really, really rapid, uh, response protocol. We'll see what we can do. And um, sure enough, I was just, dis- I was discharged from the hospital that Saturday. Um, my husband drove me right up to the entrance to the, the theater where my daughter would have her performance. I you know, hobbled out of the car, got in the back seat, watched her dance and then had to leave right away. Um, but just, you know, kind of mm-hmm. one step yep. at a time and taking that action to do things that are important to you. Mm, I love that. Any Mm -hmm. tips for, you know, you're talking about your family, you know, helping your husband,
2: driving you there. You know, when, when there's a diagnosis of cancer, and with your Mm -hmm. friends or family, the other side of us go, okay, how do we handle this? How do we communicate? And that sometimes Mm -hmm. is a really difficult, you know, can be a shutdown, like, we could say the wrong thing, you know, there's that whole, any tips on Mm -hmm. that, of that communication part?
3: Yeah, I think, um, and I have a whole chapter in the book about talking to friends or family or not, and I think everyone is different. It's interesting that um, you know people can say the dumbest things, not uh, even if you're people close to you. Whenever there's a, a situation like that, and there's actually some science behind that, um, mm-hmm. that you know people want to kind of distance themselves from what's happening, so they might say something that you know kind of dumb because it. kind of puts uh, some distance between them and that kind of condition. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, um, you know, in my family, uh, my kids were terrific. Kids are so resilient, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they kind of go along with life um, and that kept me going. So, you know, encouraging your family to kind of just go, you know, keep their life up uh, helped me. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things I learned from other survivors was, Focusing on the today. So, you know, if you ask someone how they're doing, um, they might think they're not doing well long term, right? They have a long road to hoe. But if you ask, how are you doing today? Or how are you feeling today? Or is there something I can do to help you today? No one can really argue with that. It's not offensive in any way. And in fact, you know, kind of lands pretty nicely. So I think, you know, back to your point about tips. Let your family go on with their life as much as possible. Um, You know, bring as much normalcy into the family unit as you can. And then just encourage, um, you know, a focus on how you're doing today and what someone can do to help you today. I was lucky enough to have some people who would um, cook some meals for my family. And at first I felt really awkward about that. Like, oh, I can't take care of my family. I can't even cook meals Mm -hmm. for them. But when you're at a point where you feel like you just can't even do that. And someone kindly says, you know, can I drop off dinner for you on Thursday? It's, it's like, uh, it's one of the nicest things I mm, think nice. someone can do. So And
2: for your family too, because there's that yeah. other side of it. It's not just the patient, it's the family around them immediately. Mm-hmm. Everybody's in a different
3: world now because you're all it's connected. So true. Someone mm-hmm. I, um someone I interviewed said, you know, when someone in the family gets cancer, everyone in the family gets cancer. And, Mm -hmm. you know, to some degree, that's true because everyone, everyone in the family has to deal with it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And dinner, and you Mm -hmm. really may not want to be around food, depending on where you
3: are. So true. I mean, that, um, it it wasn't the cancer itself, but the chemo that really Mm -hmm. knocked it out of me. And, um, it does make everything taste off. Um, in your body, at least, you know, the chemo, the way it affected me and my digestive system, it inflamed everything. So it was very hard for me to eat. Aww. Some of the things that were my favorites, I just, I, you know, that nice cup of coffee in the morning, mm-hmm. couldn't do it. No, um, and I had- <clears throat> Someone someone said to me, don't eat your favorite things when you're getting chemo treatment, because it leaves this residual bad feeling about that food. So I actually avoided my favorites Hmm. um, so that I didn't get that, but it just, um, the the chemo created um, huge blisters on my feet, um, a neuropathy that I couldn't even reach into the refrigerator because my Fingers um, were so affected by the cold. I would wow. go to a grocery store. I had to wear a hat and gloves. Um, just all of these really strange things mm. um, that affect you in a very significant way, um, mm. especially during chemo. Yeah, one wow. thing too, you
2: know, when people are also on medications, it, it affects you. You could it could have a mm-hmm. you could have a negative response, but it does affect emotions too. And Absolutely. you know, that's one thing too, when you are going through something to let people know that this is what's going on, mm-hmm. to have a better mm-hmm. level of patience with yes. co workers, colleagues, clients, mm-hmm. because you never know what someone's going through. Someone can, you know, react to something completely what we would think is irrational, but it's really not if you don't know what their situation is or how they're mm-hmm. feeling. Medicine does some weird stuff, it, it helps, does some really, but it does weird some weird stuff, stuff. and emotionally. Yes. I know my arms nothing compared to cancer but the medicine they gave me really mm. didn't do well with me and no. i was a basket case one minute
3: i oh, was gosh. you know
2: high i was higher than a kite the next minute oh. i was lower than low i mean like not, not good that. like it, it, the, the emotional thing was
3: it's so true and, and medication. It was weird. It causes side effects, and then you have, you know, they want you to take more medication to treat the side effects. I know. I really, I tried to take a um, as few medicines as possible approach. Again, everyone's different, but um, I was very cognizant of the dangers of opioids. And so I talked to the anesthesiologists and the doctors ahead of every procedure and tried to avoid opioids at every, at every um, point. In fact, even post-surgery, I was put on a fast protocol, which avoided use of opioids. Um, And so I, you know, I really tried to, to stay away from things that I think could have caused even more problems. Um, I try to use nutrition and exercise as healing, um, you know, even more than medicines. And when I was able, I used integrative medicine as opposed to pharmaceutical medicine so that I took those things to combat side effects, um, that, that didn't, you know, cause more problems. So I was really cognizant of any, um, kind of more natural ways to, um, deal with it too.
2: I Mm -hmm. I had a friend who, um, had a, had brain cancer. And they took a tumor mm-hmm. out of her head and, you know, it was just, she was so young. We we're like, how the hell did that happen? You know, it's like, you mm-hmm. know, so her uh, wife put up a support page for her on Facebook just for that. And it was her healing group. And every day I would, I would go and post her flowers every single day. And her wife said they went to a shaman and I know everyone's going to go, okay, that's kooky, but uh, you know, each to everyone's thing, they went, they obviously the medical route and went through all of it. Um, And she said, the one shaman said, don't hope, already visualize the perfect health. And that's what I've done from now on. She survived Mm. and she's healthy and happy and rebuilding houses. (laughs) So she's, you know, really, really Mm. kicks butt, you know, and she went through it. And they said, always just envision the perfect health and see it as it really is there and from there I think that's really good advice. Yeah, yeah and and she and she survived and she like I said she's kicking butt and I think there is some truth to that to see the positive I think positive. there's truth to that just mm-hmm. in life, right? I yeah. mean
3: you visualize the outcome and I think um, you know yeah. it's it's more likely to happen. So I, I think that's really really good advice. Oh, wow. I I
1: think your body can tell way more than we give it credit for. Mm. You know, so I think your body Um, it's a living being obviously. So why can't it visualize? Yeah. I think you're right there.
3: And, and um, in fact, that's one of the reasons why I focused on trusting your instincts in the book too, because mm -hmm. I think people think they need to just um, think about the medical part of it and what's fact. But I think when you really get in tune with your body and what you're thinking and feeling, it helps you uh, move in the right directions. You know, and if something isn't right, then, and your body's letting you know, um, then you need to make a change. I'll give you an example. I was in the middle of chemo and it was determined to be, you know, the best course of chemo for me, but about a month into it, I just, I I felt like, honestly, I felt like I was going to die. I just, Mm. I, I I couldn't get off the floor. I was just, it was horrible. And I would, you know, talk to the um, oncologist, and they said, "Well, you know, that's to be expected, and people go through things like that." And so I, I lived with it for a little bit, and then I thought, "This, this just isn't right. I cannot do this anymore." And finally, you know, kind of um, uh, pressed the doctor to see me and talk to me about it. And and as it turned out, my symptoms were, you know, at, at about ninety nine percent of the bell curve, so they were extremely um, severe. And I, at that point needed a change in plan. And I had to actually go off of chemo for a little bit to let, let my body, um, get to a point where it could receive more chemo. Um, and I think, you know, some people just kind of, uh, you know, if, if you're not listening to your body, you just kind of soldier on and think, well, this is what I, the doctors told me to do, but you mm-hmm. have to listen to what you're feeling and thinking to see what's best for you. And it's okay to get a
2: second opinion.
1: (laughs) Yes. I think it's crucial. I know my dad was diagnosed with a terminal illness and told he had five years to live 20 years later, he's still alive and he died from something completely different. Um, And I think he died actually as a reaction to a lot of the steroids he'd been given over the years. Hmm. So, you know, you have to weigh in on that, but, you, you
3: really do have to trust yourself. You do. And getting a second opinion, I think, yes. is vital. Um, I didn't know that until I, mm. I started down this process. But, you know, I went to the first surgeon and he seemed fine and competent and good. But I just there was something gnawing at me that didn't seem right. Mm. And I thought I need to get a second opinion. So I did. I went to a, a different health system, a different surgeon. And here, um, this surgeon did this, this surgery five times a day instead of five times a month. And um, there were just kind Mm -hmm. of things that I saw and felt that made me think this was the right decision. And I also had kind of my silver bullet question um, that um, I talk about in the book. And that is, I asked doctors for their cell phone number um, if, you know, if I needed it. And the first physician said, you know, um, if you really need it, I'll give it to you. And the second physician, when I asked for it, took out a piece of paper and wrote it down and said, here's my cell phone, call me anytime. And I thought, Not that I'm going to bother this doctor unless Mm. I really need to. But it was a sign to me of how they, you know, how they would care for you. And so that Mm. second opinion was absolutely positively critical. And that was the route that I went.
2: You know, and this brings to, you know, the second opinion. Mm. A friend just went through that with childbirth because she had complications. And it was really a big deal. And she just didn't, she just, you know what, this guy's charging so much money and didn't want her to have mm-hmm. a female doula. And she's like, screw you. <laughs> she just eventually, and she's like, sweet little lady, I sw- <laughs> she's the sweetest. She's like, oh, you see her and she's like a little flower. And I'm like, you said screw you. She's, you know, it, I had to just kind of don't that because it, she was almost feeling bullied in a way. She wrote a whole blog about this. It was almost like being bullied. Like, this is the way. And then right. eventually she just met it. It was just a serendipitous mm-hmm. connection to somebody else. Like you talk about finding these miracles all throughout mm-hmm. this one connection. And it gave her the strength to turn around, and like, no, I'm not going with you anymore. And she's fine. Her baby's fine. That's Everyone's fine. Good. But you um, follow in
3: her instincts. Right? Yeah. 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 Because
2: it, yeah. It, I think you really have to in the medical system, it should be more, it should be a caring, it, I don't think that a lot of the medical folks in their healthcare uh, workers and doctors and everyone, they go in with something positive, wanting to help and heal, but sometimes along the way, you get tired.
3: Yeah. Well, and I mean, I you could blame tired. them with everything they're dealing with. Yeah. And I felt really um, blessed in the end that I had amazing doctors, but even more amazing than the doctors were the nurses and the oncology nurses that I encountered were so, Uh, caring and so careful and um, sensitive. And I had one nurse who was assigned to me for the duration of my chemo after I had the problems. And so she knew what would bother me and what worked for me. And so um, Mm. that really helped me, you know, that kind of Mm. familiarity with someone who who knew my body and, you know, Mm. what it needed.
1: And I think it's really, really important that you educate yourself on what is happening because then you're in a position to really ask the right questions at the right time.
3: Absolutely. I think, you know, the first chapter in my book is about doing your homework. Mm -hmm. I too, um, I know your proponents that education is the best weapon against, you know, fear and ignorance. Mm -hmm. And I, I found the same. It's so true. Um, You know, forewarned is forearmed. So Mm -hmm. if you do your homework and you know what you're getting into, not only do you feel like you're in more control, but it really does help you navigate everything. Um, It's just like, I mean, we make, we get different opinions on, you know, what shoes we're going to buy or what, um, you know, anything that we're going to get, but yet in healthcare, um, we seem to just take for granted that wherever we go, they know best. So I'm really a proponent of educating yourself and doing your research. Yeah, absolutely.
2: With your book title being a way back to health, which I love, I, I see mm-hmm. this also being utilized by folks going through other issues, whether it's heart disease oh, or sure. diabetes, um, you know, multiple sclerosis. Um, did I say that? Sclerosis? I <laughs> got friends who mm-hmm. will nail me on that. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, I think it, it's a, it, it goes with everything. I know this is specifically yeah. cancer, but I, I believe people can use this to help go through anything else that they're dealing with.
3: I think that's really perceptive, Lisa. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, in thinking about that, I would agree. I think um, each of the chapters of the book—you you you know—in some cases, you could swap out cancer for another um, very serious health problem, and it Mm -hmm. would probably be, you know, be stand up to that too. I mean, things like doing your homework and speaking up for yourself and trusting your instincts and um, you know, getting dressed every day to make yourself feel better. I mean, all of those things are true. I think no matter what your your health issues are. Well, and
1: you could say the same about if you're going through, say, um, some kind of emotional trauma or even Mm -hmm. financial problems, dealing with it and taking ownership of it and making a plan and following it and educating yourself on whatever the problem is, is way better than just let me sit back and see what happens.
2: You can, you can have your moment. Uh, You can have your moment of, grief or you know upset oh, sure. about it you know i have then a friend who is you know in like a lifelong medical you know that it's a lifelong thing that she's dealing with and she talks about having to grieve mm. to get past what was to move forward allowing yeah. yourself this grieving mm. process it's like the old self is dead now you've got a new self right and kind of look at it as a metamorphosis and i think that's really true and Like my favorite quote is Joan Baez says, action is the antidote to despair. So you can have your moment of despair. I believe you have to have that because if you don't. It's going to always just sit on your shoulder and keep going. Then you're probably in denial. Yeah. Then, and you, and you can't, Mm -hmm. and eventually you just, you're going to get bed sores if you don't get up and do something about it.
3: (laughs) Right. And and I think there there are many moments of despair and many moments Mm -hmm. where you question yourself or, you know, kind of need to settle and grieve. But I really found that at the end of the day, advocating for for myself and taking action were the best things that I could do and really helped me get through it. So you have to cut yourself a break too. There will Mm. be many moments where you just need to kind of sit back or cry. I mean, I I cried a lot, Um, um, but then to move forward, just, you know, advocacy and action were the keys for me. Is that also important
2: for immediate family and friends to also kind of be part of that and even help Mm -hmm. with the research and the documentation um having that trust, some 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 of us are in families that you don't want them, you know, hold that opinion there. this again, self-advocacy, no matter what, right? right but I think right. there's also, you know, there's families where the children are so young, they may be very scared. you know, i I look at what kids must be feeling now with covid and climate change, and you know, they may there's got a level of fear, and I see a lot of youth turn it around also and go, okay, we're gonna do something about it. and they're the ones who seem to be, happier and healthier moving forward. So it's very much like what you're saying, take action. But I think a role model, but the family itself, the family unit has to kind of adopt that too. They do.
3: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I think you're right. And I think, um, you know, when you're going through things like that, you need to keep people who are helpful and healing close to you and people who Mm -hmm. aren't not, you know, exactly. mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. You really do. That's, that's a really important point. Because somehow one person that can be negative will destroy the last three people who were positive in your mind.
3: So right. you really
2: and you, just need to distance.
3: Yes. That's, and focus on the positivity or, you know, whatever is helping um, you heal.
2: Yeah. yeah, That's an enemy. Everything really, these are mm-hmm. really strong life lessons. They, they are. are. I think these kind of things happen. They're a big scare, but they also, they're huge life lessons. They really are. Thank you so much, Mm. Kelly. I am so excited that your book is out. Are you going to do another one, do you
3: think? Another Another book? Yeah. Um, You know, I feel like I always have a couple of books. I'm that type of person kind of percolating somewhere. Um, But books are also labors of love, right? Mm. And they take um, a lot of time um, and a lot of resources. So we'll see. Let's get this one out there. Yes. Into into the world. And, um, I really thank the both of you for, you know, mm-hmm. taking an interest in the book and asking such, you know, such thoughtful questions.
2: Well, thank you everyone. Bye-bye. Kelly Scalotta. Again, it's a way back to health 12 lessons from a cancer survivor. It's out now go to awaybacktohealth.com back to and get it from your favorite book provider. Take care, Kelly. Thank you. Thanks, thank
1: Kelly. you, Lisa. Thank you, Nancy.
3: Mm-hmm.